Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our second scripture reading this morning is from the letter of James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily fill, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to thank Alex and Session for allowing me to be up here today. And I want to thank all of you for being here also. Some of you possibly curious as to what an 85-year-old retired chemical engineer can possibly say that will be of any value in God's world today. Well, I have something to say. It's not long, and its value will entirely depend on each of you. So listen closely. Two questions are in the Bible that should be important to everyone. The first question is in the Gospel of Matthew and was our call to worship this morning. Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and he turns to them and says, Who do people say that I am? And they give various answers. And then Jesus alters the question from the general to the specific. Who do you say that I am? And Peter blurts out, as of course Peter would, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, there are some people that haven't answered that question yet. It's still sort of hanging out there in the air, waiting for some kind of a response. If there's some of you like that here today, if some of you are uncertain, I recommend reading a book entitled, Who is This Man? by John Ortberg, a Presbyterian pastor in Menlo Park, California. The book is a powerful testament to the impact that Jesus has on history, on the human condition, and on our understanding of the obligations that we have to each other. The second question was in the Old Testament reading for today, when God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And it is that question that I want to spend some time on today. Now, when people first hear that or read that, it sometimes startles them because 
If God is all-knowing, why does he have to ask Elijah what he's doing? God should know. Well, God does know. Elijah, essentially, at this point in his life, is doing nothing. And God wants Elijah to think about that. Now, Elijah had done many wonderful things for God, among them wiping out the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, those prophets that were very dear to the heart of Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Jezebel took exception to what Elijah had done and told Elijah she was going to kill him. So Elijah was in that cave afraid, depressed, discouraged. What are you doing here? Five words, each of which is important for Elijah to understand what God is asking and what God is asking us. I want to parse that sentence. I don't know, do they still do that in English classes, or did that go out with blackboards and chalk? Well, anyway, I'm going to attempt it. The subject is you. Now, you can be either singular or plural. But God really prefers to deal with individuals. He called Moses, Abraham, Jonah, Ezekiel, just to name a few. He has lesser concern about presbyteries, sessions, and the local Rotary Club. The verb is present tense, are doing, present tense, active voice. Not what have you done, not what will you be doing, What are you doing now? There's a phrase that's quite popular these days, live in the moment. And it means to be conscious and aware of the present with all your senses. I think God is telling Elijah that he wants him to live in the moment. And I think God wants us also to live in the moment. What, the object of the verb, implies that there has to be some some quality to it, a purpose, an achievement, an attainment. Now, I don't read many comic strips, but one I do often read is Pickles in the Daily Herald. It's frequently a conversation between a grandson and a grandfather. A few weeks ago, the two were holding this conversation. The grandfather says to his grandson, you know what I like doing? The grandson says, what? The grandfather replies, making a difference in the world. Then he walks over to a picture standing on a table and blows a little dust off the picture frame, turns to his grandson and says, it doesn't have to be big. Well, 
That's right. The difference doesn't have to be big. Sometimes when we're asked to do things that we consider too small for our efforts, we want something big, something we can really sink our teeth into. But oftentimes the opportunity is something more simple. It's make a casserole for a neighbor who is sick. Hold the door open for a person who has their arms full. Lend a willing ear to a person who just wants someone to talk to. The adverb in that question is here, in this place, for this is where you are, Elijah, and this is where we are, here. One does not have to leave the country to serve God. In fact, he or she doesn't even have to leave the northwest suburban area to do that. Look at some of the statistics that come out of our local school districts. Children come to school hungry. Families live at or below the poverty level here. A problem that sometimes confronts us when people are asked to do something for the church is this thing called grace. It is a gift from God And it is freely given to all who profess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. It is unmerited. We don't have to do anything to earn it. Paul stresses that, particularly in Romans. And Martin Luther jumped all over that in his battle with a church that was then corrupt. We can't buy our way into heaven. Jesus himself says that it is God's will that everyone who believes in him shall have eternal life. No qualifications other than that. I had a business colleague tell me one time that he didn't go to church much. He wasn't involved. He had been baptized. He had confirmed his parents' baptismal vows. And he didn't have to do anything else to get into heaven. And he was right. It's grace that gets us into heaven. But don't you think that this wonderful gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ, don't you think that that deserves a response? James certainly thought so. He, who wrote one of the earliest epistles that found their way into the New Testament, said, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. For James' faith without works was no faith at all. It was a faith that was dead, and that is worse than no faith at all. Faith must work. It must produce It must be visible. Verbal faith is not enough. Mental faith is insufficient. Faith must move into action. Another point. Some people's response might be when asked to participate in a project, oh, that's too much for me to do. That was part of Elijah's problem. 
He thought he was alone. But God has created for us the church, a community of faith involving a lot of people with a variety of gifts. And when working together for a common purpose can have a great synergistic effect. And remember, Elijah was not alone. God was with him. And God is always with us. Roger Kellogg, an associate pastor of this church many years ago, reminded me of that once. It was July 1965. We had just moved from Rolling Meadows into Arlington Heights. Roger came over one Sunday afternoon and said, Don, I want you to teach a church school class. I thought of every possible excuse I could. I have a young family. We just moved. I don't know the Bible that well. I don't like to get up in front of people and talk, especially kids. No, Roger, I can't do it. Now, Roger, in an earlier career, had been a life insurance salesman, and he had been a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable back when a million dollars really meant something. So Roger fixed me with his steely blue eyes that had sold all those insurance policies and said, Don, I think you could do it, but I know this, God and you can do it. I was hooked. I'm still hooked. And I hope most of you are hooked or get hooked. Tertullian a Christian leader in the third century, when Christianity was still struggling against a world of overwhelming paganism, said this, and I quote, It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness, that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Only look, they say, look at what love they have for each other. End of quote. My fervent prayer today is for each of us, every so often, look into a mirror and ask, what are you doing here? And actively seek opportunities to serve God by serving others. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.